With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Kate Pooser, and I'm the managing editor of Lookout Landing, and it's good to be back with you after missing last week's live, well, we missed last week, and then I missed the week before that, <laughs> the live at Safeco, uh, hosted by a couple of my compatriots who are here with me tonight. Oh, John and Isabel, how are you? Good. Doing, Just... doing well. Better audio environment, I think. If mm-hmm. not better overall uh, sports environment. Doing much better also than Jock Peterson and I believe Robinson Chirinos, who are currently fighting or were just fighting. Uh, is your oh. update on the AL West. The other update is that Astros are up 10-0 in the second inning. Yeah, they're so. ridiculous. I mean, it helps us, I guess, because it presses the A's a little bit more further beneath us and we maybe don't have to worry about them coming at our crown anytime soon but yeah winning winning the division is is beginning to look a little a little tricky if winning the division is a crown what is like the wild card spot is that a tiara is that a, a sash, flower crown perhaps. a sash could be a good, sash is good. Yeah. yeah i think, I think it's a tiara sash. tiara is, implies something's wrong with tiaras. I think, I think a sash is a pretty what? Gen, general. I just meant that it's a small crown. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> that's a, um, that's a well, better association. The reason that we are even able to dream in such uh, lucid detail is because 
once again, here we are. It's June 13th. The Mariners are miraculously somehow <laughs> atop the AL West yeah, through some some uh, skullduggery, some moves yeah, made some, in the night, some shindiggery. Um, that's a party. I mean, yeah, this is this has basically been a party. But yes, there's been there's been <laughs> some some, some actual kicking of the shins of uh, Dallas Keuchel maybe. <laughs> In the game where uh-huh. they just totally rolled all over them, which was excellent to see. Um, which, yeah. like, prior to tonight was, like, maybe the... Or today, I guess, was maybe the biggest offensive game that they've had in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, this stupid team. <laughs> this they're, stupid team. They're simultaneously, like, kicking the other team's shins and also being... Giving them a noogie? Yeah, like, being dominant, but also really obnoxious. <laughs> And we're seeing that in, like, some of the game threads at our rival SB Nation sites are, you know, people are starting to, they don't want to play the Mariners. Like, they don't want to face us. They still don't respect the team the Mariners have. They, you know, believe it's going to collapse and that it's luck-based and run differential and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't change the fact that they do not want to face us right now. Well, well. Sorry, go ahead. It's it's an intimidating lineup, it, like in pieces. I think it's uh, frightening and confusing. Like <laughs> you don't expect Ryan Healy <laughs> to suddenly tie up. Your no team, one but... expects Ryan Healy. <laughs> well, I think almost even a big part of it is, you know, it's not even infuriating when the Astros beat you because, like, of course the Astros are going to beat you. Like they have. Every, you know, every player in their lineup is good and they have the best pitching rotation we've seen in maybe decades. I feel like when Ryan Healy does something to beat you, it's far more infuriating, I I would have to imagine, to an opponent. You know, I mean, and we can really think about this, like, it's been way more annoying to lose to the A's or the Angels in the past few years than it was to ever lose to the Astros, I think. Right? You know, it's like... You can see that this team is not is wildly imperfect, but they're getting it done in ways that make sense. But you, you wouldn't have to like it. <laughs> it's also frustrating to have Ryan Healy beat you because he's pretty much always beating you on an upper deck upper deck tank. He's not beating you cheap. No, he's beating you loudly. <laughs> he's got the one finishing move yeah and that's about it it's it's true it's i mean especially when you look at ryan healy and you're like oh my god four percent walk rate like <laughs> he does nothing career high four percent walk rate <laughs> i think we should look it up i don't have ryan's most recent numbers he's not of, it's not quite me. career high because he had a resurgence last season resurgence meaning that it was not yeah, like resurgence. two to three percent i believe uh, his career high was his debut debut season. He had a four point two. Uh, then he dropped a three point eight. Right now, he's sitting at a even four point zero. So the thing is that um, this lineup, the way it's constructed, you have D and you have Segura and you have Haniger, and they're all three of them going to pretty consistently get on base. Kyle Seeger fools you in that he looks like he is going to be someone who's steady, but he is actually streaky as heck, too. And uh-huh. then, of course, you know, you have Ryan and you have Healy and 
Did you say Ryan? Yes, I and did. Healy? I meant Zanino. You have Ryan and you have Zanino. You do, have, in fairness, you do have Ryan. Uh, he's so large. Healy, he's so large, he counts double. Um, you have your streaky power hitters and Cruz, who I think is, is kind of a model of consistency, but can, can be susceptible mm. to these dips in production. We can say he's a model of consistency now because he's back to being good, but right. there is that. When he's slumping, it's not as noticeable because it still sounds scary anytime he hits the ball. Right. But it it's just the difference between a ball dying on the warning track and a ball going over the fence. Yeah. And it's been so good. I was, I think we were talking about this earlier. This series, I think, really helped push some of these guys out of their mini slumps. So, like, got Cruz right on the good track again and kind of picked up Hannah Girl a little bit. Um, even D last night mm-hmm. really kind of kickstarted it again. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you wrote a little bit this week, John, about um, how D is like a pretty how D's performance is a pretty good measure of how the team is going to do. I mean, obviously, we saw them struggle a little to get things going when he was out. Yeah the the way that D has performed this season has essentially been that. He has been by far his best when in games the Mariners have won, and he's been absolutely terrible in games that the Mariners have lost. So it's, uh, it's you know, the, in the past few weeks, he's had real rough stretch, um, and, and some of that has been health-related, but it, it was good to see him actually sort of spraying the ball a little bit in the last mm-hmm. couple of games. And, I think know. a lot of it is health-related, honestly. That toe... You know, yeah. for somebody like him who's so about his legs and his lower half, because mm. um, obviously you're not talking about a tremendous amount of upper body strength with D. Gordon. <laughs> uh, you know, he depends on that so much as part of his kinetic chain that, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just thinking about not having that plant foot, not being able to really, like, you know, stomp down and get a good base with that if mm. your big toe is causing you trouble. He's He's an interesting case, too, because... So much of his value relies on him getting on base and kind of thinking right. about the Travis Sachik piece about Billy Hamilton this morning. But, like, it's got to be tough when you're up to bat to just not be able to get on at all. And, like, walking is just not an option for him for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> and, like, there is just that added pressure that's a little different if you're, say, Ryan Healy and you're up to bat. Like, you want to put the ball in play in a certain way whereas if you're d gordon you're just like trying to get it just enough past someone or just slow enough to someone mm-hmm. right yeah um, I mean, the, ahead, the sorry I, well i was i was curious just because you know the the point you made about how this series this you know obviously we're recording this uh after the mariners thrilling really thrilling uh midday victory over the angels um you know but i mean i think this series really showed i think the best characteristics that the mariners have right because like you know the the rays series was kind of just they beat an inferior team and sort of sloppy. Yeah, yeah. In, in many ways sloppily, I, I would agree. But Three you know, one-run games and yeah. a loss, so yeah. not exactly and, decisively. 
I, right. I'm pretty curious, sorry not to interrupt John, no. I don't, I haven't looked this up yet, but if they've had any series that they've won where they haven't had a one-run win, or even a one-run loss, I guess, like, it wasn't a huge run differential this series, obviously, but it was decent, um, and also just, like, so great to watch them play in a series and like a huge high pressure series have them not fall on their faces and actually like live up and exceed our expectations and our hopes for it in a way that I can't remember them really ever doing in a series like this 100% I want to get back to that idea just briefly um the Toronto series was the last time they had a series that so early May the five nothing, the loss two to five, and the win mm. nine to three. Mm-hmm. Every other series has involved a one run game, including the one game series, if we're calling it a series <laughs> in Minnesota, that was a, the stupidest game ever. So uh-huh. And somehow they somehow they came out of that with a win. But yeah, every other series has had uh, other than that Houston two game series that we just played where you know, we beat them sort of outsize and then they beat us by two. So um, to go back, you have to go all the way back to Toronto to get anything that's more than two runs. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess, did your opinion of the team change this week? Yes. Like, did, did you, in what way did your opinion change? So I think that this gets into what Isabel was just talking about, how often we've conditioned ourselves to expect in a, a marquee matchup uh, to have the Mariners fall flat on their face. And I'm thinking mm. about last year and Dedgar Weekend and mm. obviously like uh, Lollabalooza, all these. all And night for some court. reason, it always <laughs> night court. That's a good one. Um, just any time the spotlight has shined, they've they've sort of wilted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we have the stupid Facebook game, which obviously is a pain to watch, but uh, is, you know, it's a game that there are lots of eyeballs on, whether uh, they're Mariners, Angels fans or not, because it's right there in the middle of the workday. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that. You have the, the big drama of them coming to town and the fact that the last time the Angels were here, I thought the Angels looked like clearly the better team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was <laughs> even the one that they got away with. It was very close to being a sweep. And it just kind of shows you how much can happen, how much the identity of a team can change in a month or two. Because mm-hmm. they faced a very different Marco Gonzalez today than they saw last time. And keep in mind, we're, we've still not rolled out Paxton against them. Correct, because last time it was um, it was yeah. yeah it was Leek Marco and Felix last time yeah in in deference to the Angels too they rolled into town this time around <laughs> still collectively I think feeling very good but much more like the 2017 Mariners oh than... entire I was actually looking at it you know when uh, Cozart Cozart went down with the injury today mm-hmm. not Kinsler yeah Cozart and, Cozart yeah, and Cozart. Richards. Yeah. And Richards and I was like, oh, this this feels familiar in a very <laughs> unpleasant way, you know. And flashback to, oh gosh, uh, Black was Tuesday, it Ryan Weber, kid pitcher, grabbing yeah. his grabbing at his arm before he even like threw a pitch. 
Yeah, Black Tuesday and just feel, you know, just feeling like there's no chance against these injuries that are mounting up. And then for them to lose Otani, I think, is um, as much as it's being mourned in baseball as, you know, here's this incredibly promising player who's going to be out who knows how long. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very good news for the Mariners and equally just incredibly devastating for the Angels. Yeah, I think different pieces have touched on this in different ways. Like Ben Lindbergh wrote about it today. Jay Jaffe wrote about it a little while ago. Like this idea of reconciling the Mariners and their one run, one run record and the concept of luck in baseball. But I think there's a third part that's missing to this conversation, which is just like timing. We talk about pitch sequencing, but this Mm -hmm. is like, this is sequencing, sequencing. Of, this is this is player sequencing this is slump sequencing this is like ev- like this is people staying healthy this is people stepping up when people aren't healthy this is like things falling into place in a way that honestly we probably could have seen in 2017 but in with like with this new team right yeah, and, and uh, go ahead John Oh, just I think it's something that certainly you and I, Kate, have talked about, and I think Isabel, you and I have talked about as well. But the it's not even that everyone's so good as it is that it's the same people out there every <laughs> pretty much every day. You know, like I mean, they had the, in the first month or two where the team was sort of you know decent, but only so so. I mean, they had guys out. You know, Zunino missed a couple of weeks. Healy was, you know in and then bad and then out and then you know back eventually and you know Segura was hurt Cano eventually got hurt but you know before that even I mean you know you had who else I mean it it's been just it's been a carousel but it's been a smaller carousel and I think mm-hmm. like when this and is, in this recent stretch it's yeah. been so much more when I think if this team does well throughout the season as a whole makes it to the playoffs it's gonna be a team that we can look back on and say you know like there's a lot of hand waving about intangibles about like clubhouse chemistry about like playing with the same guys every day but honestly I think that's a not insignificant chunk of their success right now like Zanino has confidence in Segura and in D when he's throwing down to second like they're all working together consistently and they're all kind of jiving in the clubhouse. And this is so hand wavy, but it matters. These are people that you're spending 163 days with. Um, It totally matters. I mean, and it's not just that it's, you're spending time with them in the clubhouse before games and you're spending time with them after on planes and when you're tired and you're cranky and, it just it does take a little bit of chemistry and i feel like there's something that that's something that depoto has been trying to jigger over and over again you know he brought in Gerard dyson hoping he would be like that spark plug and that thing that kind of pulled the team together but dyson he, wasn't a long-term piece he wasn't he you know also, and, he never stood a chance oh well like, he he was so hurt too you know he's just not yeah. like durable enough to be an everyday player and then I think Segura could have been a great lightning rod, and he was hurt a lot of last year. And, um, you know, now he's playing, and he's mentioned about how comfortable he is playing with the extension, knowing that 
That's guaranteed money. It doesn't matter how he does. All he has to do is go out and have fun. You have D. Gordon, who's just been, like, really folded in. And credit to him, too. You know, he has shown a generosity of spirit in giving himself to the club and to the mm-hmm. city and just being like, this is where I am and I'm going to make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. So it just was... feels like the right mix, finally. Yeah. I was so anxious when they acquired D because like I want I loved him as a player and I just like really wanted him to jive and I was worried about how he would fit especially given I was so excited about Dyson and like a player in that similar mold like meant to be a little bit of a spark plug in the clubhouse he's fast they profiled similarly and I was worried that he was going to run into the same thing of just losing his joy for the game which is honestly what it seemed like yeah. Dyson ran into at the end of last year and it's been so fun and I think honestly the preseason workouts I think that helped I think the fact that they won off the bat made a huge difference makes a huge difference not only it makes a difference for like clubhouse chemistry because everyone likes each other more when you win but also like to sort of get into something now and looking at the schedule ahead, like this upcoming death schedule of like Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, like it is so much less terrifying now that they have opened up a lead like this. They've given themselves a little bit of a cushion, not even a little bit. They're 20 games up. Like, They've given themselves a decent-sized cushion. They can weather this storm. And they've been helped out by the poor play of the Twins, who, you know, winners of the offseason. Unbelievably. Unbelievably unbelievably bad. bad. Yeah. Um, So that helps, too. And And the Blue Jays, even. And the Blue Jays, yeah. All the... All the preseason darlings to contend for the wild card who were not us. You know, you looked at all these outlets and it was, oh, Tampa Bay might be able to make a surprising run at thing. You know, they have Archer, <laughs> they have Snell. Yeah. Uh, Toronto might be at well. And then, you know, Josh Donaldson comes up. It's why, you know, preseason predictions and looking at the team on paper, it's so hard to tell. And I think we saw a ton of confidence in this front office in what they were doing. Um, They believed in the people that they were bringing in, and they believed in Marco taking a huge step forward that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think maybe those of us who follow the team pretty closely kind of hoped for but didn't necessarily expect. But it just kind of shows that as transparent as this front office tends to be, there's a lot that we don't know and there's a lot that we don't see. And they're making moves that don't make sense to a lot of the baseball outsiders, but make sense to their overall vision and what they want to do. And no, they weren't going to go out and blow a draft pick on someone like uh, Lynn or Cobb. They weren't going to... Wait, did Lynn have a draft pick attached? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. So they weren't going to blow a draft pick. Like They weren't going to get older. And even the Ichiro thing, I think you know we saw that they had some kind of a plan in place. I don't know that it went off exactly on the timeline they had planned, but, you know, at some point I believe this front office deserves credit and they deserve credit for how they've gone about building a club and how 
despite what some, you know, baseball talkers outside say, and even us ourselves we're looking at this off season, like what is happening here? Um, but it, they stuck to their vision and we're starting to see the results of that. And I think there has been a good do dose of luck interspersed with that, but it's not so much the luck of the run one, the one run games. It's the luck of all these guys really like each other and they really want to play hard for each other. And you're seeing that on the field. And do you remember a team that talked to each other more on social media than this one? <laughs> like they're yeah. all over each other's Instagrams all the time with their little comments and, you know, pumping each other up and Ryan Healy's trying to get Mitch to the all-star game and D Gordon's mad that Gene Segura isn't on the MLB team of the month. And, <laughs> you know, I know those things seem silly, but even more so than getting the national recognition, I think having your, knowing that your teammate is going to be like, Hey, this guy is really good. Why aren't more people paying attention to him? That matters. Yeah. I think to touch briefly back on what you were talking about with the front office and then we can move forward. I don't necessarily think that I'm ready to move on past their off season or like absolve them of an off season that kind of felt very up and down. It's like it was not inconceivable of people to want them to sign a starting pitcher and to be frustrated when they didn't sign a starting pitcher. And like I think the fact that Wade LeBlanc is working right now that's huge and spectacular and absolutely was not part of the off-season plan. If we didn't have LeBlanc, it would be a very different conversation right now. And honestly, if if we had been told Wade LeBlanc was going to be the fourth starter <laughs> oh, in the off-season, like I I would have been I would have been pretty, you know, ready to just kind of pull pull that parachute i mean like it's it's not like but wave leblanc it, wasn't the plan like erasmo was the plan right but you wave leblanc was but the that depth leblanc was like the second choice still is like, it, you know, I, like it, I mean i think rob whelan ariel miranda christian bergman and wave leblanc were all sort of there and when those guys didn't quite take the step they wanted them to they went and got Wade LeBlanc. And you have to think, too, about the David Phelps aspect of this and how he helps lengthen out, ideally, the line. And then, obviously, you know, you lost him and you had to go replace him with Colome. And, um, you know, I, I'm... Which is a huge move. I understand looking around and saying, do we want to spend a lot of money and a draft pick, potentially, on these players who we're going to have to commit a lot of funds to? To get them to come to a club that they might not want to come to. Mm -hmm. um, or do we like what we have in-house better? Do we think that we can get by without that? And based on what they knew, we were all mentally penciling in Marco as like a five. And wondering, well, where's the four going to come from? Like, there's mm -hmm. got to be at least a four out there. Um, but I think sliding Marco forward to the four... A, a shifting five is not that different from what other clubs do outside of, you know, the Astros. Um, and knowing that you have the offense that's going to pick them up. I thought it was a good job of, of planning different depth options and just kind of going with the one that has the hot hand. And, you know, if we 
wears down or can't get the same results. Uh, you have Christian Bergman sitting there in Tacoma. You can try him for a while. You have Ariel Miranda. You have Erasmo eventually coming back. Or you have the option to go get someone at the deadline. Or yeah. as we've seen Jerry do before the deadline. I guess my... And I believe in this front office, like as you know. and Because really also... like what can you do? You're not gonna, you're not gonna single-handedly shove Jerry DePoto out of his office. Um, I just, I don't think that they planned for this scenario, and I don't want to credit them with the kind of out of the blue good fortune of the way some of this has turned out. Um, I'm just a little loath to look back now and be like oh yeah they totally planned they had this great depth set up like everything worked out fine like like there's no way of looking back on this off season and kind of nodding your head like yeah it was totally fine and totally planned that we didn't get any other starting pitchers that's absolutely okay I think I would feel better or I would feel more that way if I looked around and saw any of the starting pitchers who were available having like really good years so far right but well, and that's the by thing, and but large I guess... they have been ineffective including some of my pet targets like Trevor Cahill and uh, Jaime Garcia I really love the idea of Tyler Chatwood and he has the Cubs gave him a ton of money and he has been not good Right, but I guess my the way I'm looking at it is a little more not vague, but they sh- fundamentally I wanted this front office to go for a starting pitcher this off season. I think that was the right move, and I still think that's the right move now. The fact that the starting pitchers that were free agents have not been successful so far this season sort of feels peripheral to my belief like because we're still looking at a rotation it's like yeah could you as a starting pitcher still I think that judging from what was available um but because you can only shop what's available right so you can try yeah. to make trades and whatever but um other than that you can only buy what's on the shelves and I don't mind them looking at what was on the shelves and thinking uh I'll all, all we really see a good payout for value here is a reliever. Um, just because I think it was a not a particularly strong free agent class. It, the upper echelons of it were very expensive. And, um, you know, so far Alex Cobb is, you know, that's... Yeah, I just... I don't mind... I'm willing to, to give them credit on that strategy. To sort of... <laughs> end on an agreement here I guess because we don't need to be rehashing the offseason when so many good baseball things are happening Um, but I think that we are reaping the benefits of their strategy in this offseason which was recognizing we can't afford starting pitching we can't can't afford the starting pitching that would have an impact Um, so we're just going to spend and acquire everything that we can to make the bullpen super strong. And I think that is what we're reaping now is a bullpen that is 
just held everyone up. Well, and, and had had and has had the depth to sustain through injury and to prop up the rotation in in many circumstances, right? I mean, you know, Nicasio obviously didn't have a brilliant start, but especially when he sort of started shaping back into form, had a significant impact. Vincent remaining strong. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Edwin being <laughs> world unbelievable. Beater. Yeah. And, you know, adding Colome, um, finding Ch- Chase and Bradford to help extend things. You know, Using then, Eric Goodell for the brief amount of time yeah. they had him. Oh. R.I.P. R.I.P. Oh, Eric Goodell, we miss you. Um, their worst decision this season. Yeah. I mean, you know, a pretty I mean, pretty much you know, finding five or six players. I mean, Pazos managing to continue his development into taking a huge step forward. Having one walk, I think, <laughs> still yeah. this year, which is absolutely insane. Um you know, I mean, it's just been it's just been incredible to watch and 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 that's I think allowed them to you know, I, I, I mean, look at, looking back on it, I think it, if if the guys that, if any of the guys that they had signed in the offseason at starting pitching had been the guys that they'd signed and had performed the same way that they had, the team would be in a worse spot. I think similarly I, I still just conceptually wish that they had put an emphasis on trying to get that, but because of how they've succeeded otherwise, they're in an opportunity, you know, they're in a position to now look other places to upgrade and, and fill that in and continue leaning on that bullpen to sort of get through. And that's really exciting to see because it's really hard to, you know, get starting pitching upgrades on the free agent market. And it's hard to do through trade when you don't have a, enough of a farm system to really do so. But and the They're bullpen a... has suffered, as you said, some injuries. Like the yeah. for as much talk as the Angels are decimated, um, you know the Mariners came into today without Juan Nicasio, without uh, Dan Altavilla, without Nick Vincent. So three of like their kind of back end options are out for anything from a seemingly, hopefully not too significant amount of time. To in the case of Alta Villa, probably a significant amount of time, and mm. you know they've been creative in getting guys up from you know bringing Ruinus back and stretching him out as a long reliever, and um, you know getting some use out of Mike Morin. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think this this whole conversation is a really great answer to some of the stuff that's been circulating around online about Mariners fans gloating about their success right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like uh, we're still trying to piece together really how it's happened. Still worried. And, still, yeah, still fairly deeply concerned about many of the components. But I mean, I guess maybe that can be a segue to looking forward to the next, I guess, week or so. I mean, we got a few questions with folks who are excited about the, you know, excited about the Angels. The sweep of the angels, um, yes. which we're excited about too, even though none of this podcast makes it sound like it. Yeah, um, but I, you know, what what are you guys looking for? I, what is a four game homestand here against Boston? 
day off on Monday, and then sort of the big, bad East Coast road trip um, that opens up headed to the Yankees, or headed to face the Yankees, and Boston, and Baltimore, which is, you know, less big and less bad, but... Uh, I feel like Baltimore is going to get really ugly really quickly. Yeah, it definitely has has the potential to be the like we're really tired after that and <laughs> I can't believe they don't have an off day. That's obscene. Yeah, it is a uh, it is quite like, a... there's no off day between when they play Baltimore at 3:05 p.m. on Thursday and yeah. then the next day they're back at Safeco. They get an off day after the Royals series, um, but yeah. I, so, so I guess what what are you what are you looking for in in this? In, I mean, this luckily, season? did Do anyone you know tell the, you that the Orioles are terrible? It is true. The but, Orioles like, they're are very so bad. so bad. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's gonna get ugly. The Orioles are gonna play bad baseball, and I just fear that they're gonna bad baseball onto the Mariners not that they're gonna like (laughs) spread their bad baseball but that like whoever they have catching right now is gonna gonna, like roll over onto Kyle Seeger or like Gene is gonna step in Manny Machado like I just don't want to watch any of that I mean, they're they're playing at a two eighty four winning percentage. They're the only team in baseball that hasn't won twenty games. Like, if the Mariners cannot, I and I mean, you never ask for a sweep on the road. I think a sweep on the road is almost impossible, as we saw in Tampa Bay. Like, are the Mariners a better team than the Rays? Clearly, did their road trip maybe catch up to them a little in that game? Plus some inefficiency. Um, uh, inability to execute from Felix, yes, that all hurt them. But you know, they. I'm not. I'm not entirely. If we're worrying about that, I think we we're way past the point of worrying about this being a good team. Don't don't misunderstand. Sorry, maybe I phrased it poorly. I'm not worried per se about them playing the Orioles. I just don't want to watch the Orioles play baseball. I mean, I think <laughs> Orioles fans might agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the Red Sox series, just I mean, do we? I, I think I thought you said earlier uh, earlier in the day. Do we miss Chris Sale? Because Chris we Sale do. pitched we today miss, and also got ejected. And got somehow? ejected. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened? I, you know what I, mean? I don't know. I, mean, uh-huh. I can I can try to Twitter search it up real quick for we you. Can if you want but to know. so. We'll see. We'll see, David Price. We'll see Eduardo Rodriguez, um, and we'll see Rick Porcello, uh, and we'll see who's who's the other pitcher that the that the uh, that the Red Sox have. Pomerantz. Is it Pomerantz again? Still. Man. Oh, wow. Chris Sale uh, cursed out the the uh, umpire on his Oh, my God. Out. It's Stephen Wright. Oh, Stephen Wright. Mm, that's All righty. That's, uh, uh, that's somebody I would really like to beat. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Wade LeBlanc will be facing off against him. So. <laughs> Jesus. I, want, I mean, like, I'm sure there's lots of, like, quick movement to the plate, but <laughs> that is just by velocity got to be the slowest mat- pitching matchup of the entire season, right? Like, Oh, for sure. Because I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this the other day when uh, when Yovaldi and Paxton were matched up, and then uh, Diaz came in, and I think the Rays brought in like Chaz Rowe, and then uh, what's his the name? The one guy who looks like Colome. Yeah, Lizardo. Uh, Alvarado. Alvarado. Yes. yes, I mixed those two, but like every everyone was throwing like ninety seven. Yeah. I was curious <laughs> it was... if it was like the hardest average fastball game of the year. So it felt very plausible. Um, but I mean, it's, we, 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 you guys touched on this a little bit earlier, but it's just so incredible that the team has built up this cushion, right? And, and I do think this is a good team and I do think the Mariners can hang with these, these sort of elites of the, of the league. Um, you know, I, I do very much believe the Red Sox are better than the Mariners. I believe the Yankees are better than the Mariners. I believe the Astros are better than the Mariners. But but I think that's about it. You know, I think the Mariners are right there. And with that in mind, and with how well the Mariners have done at taking advantage of the opportunities they've had, um, you know, it's, I think at this point, the Mar- you know they're in a position where this next few weeks can pretty much just be a hey this is a fun challenge right these aren't must win you know these aren't you know you don't they don't have to prove anything because they have an entire season more to play and they've right. won it so much that even if they you know lose two out of three get swept you know lose you know all three series is, there's still going to be 15 games or so above 500. They're still going to be in a playoff spot and there's no one really breathing down their necks. Well, in... not after we crush the angels under exactly. our heel. Well, someone in the comments to the recap today mentioned that if they go one for nine in the next 10 games, they still have a 500 record in June. Which I think at the outset, all of us would have been happy. When we looked at that Absolutely. at that schedule, we were like, get out of June with 500, and yeah. July looks a lot better. August mm-hmm. has some tough stretches, but July should be a good get-right month after June. I had no idea that they were going to you know, just come out firing. Exactly. Well, and there's just, this is the most overconfident I will ever sound, <laughs> but there is no way they win only one game out of their next 10. Yeah. James Paxton starts two games. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's at least that's one. That's a good chance. And Reed. And, I, yeah. will, I will say too, I think when Mookie was out, a lot of the Red Sox flaws were exposed. You know, they struggled there and they lost a couple games mm. um, that maybe you wouldn't to the White Sox. Chris Sale got beat by the White Sox. Like That was a gnarly zonkers, yeah. but you know you see how much losing a piece out of their lineup hurts them and how much they depend on him for you know to float the rest of their boats so i am uh, so excited to see him yeah yeah he's gonna be great I can't wait. 
<laughs> I can't wait after a week of hearing about Mike Trout. Kate, we need to we need to get you away from like just general baseball Twitter. I think at least Mookie Betts is like an exciting human being. Yeah, it's hard to begrudge him any, you know, much like Francisco Lindor. Like, it's, you know, you, there are guys you root for. Yeah. Well, um, that, but that, my that, chat is just so Sorry, we don't need to get into this. Um, <laughs> but Devers, Raphael Devers, Devers, mm-hmm. I don't know how you say it exactly. but Devers? Devers, Devers has struggled. Mm-hmm. He has not been, um, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's yeah. having a, a big-time sophomore slump. But Benintendi has been... Um, Pretty Good. legit. Pretty, pretty, pretty legit. legit. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. you know, the, uh, who else is in their outfield? Jackie Jay- Bradley Jr.? He, mm-hmm. Jackie Bradley, I think JBJ's been True. struggling. Yeah, he's I'm, I'm looking. We're, I'm looking at the uh, the the Fangraphs page right now, and they they are a very sort top of... Top-heavy. Top-heavy group. Uh, J.D. Martinez. Very oh, and heavy. He, he, in, had in the fairness, back, he had the back issues. Yeah. That's right. That's when they were... They really went through a rough... I mean, take the two best hitters out of the lineup, and that's yeah. what's going to happen. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, do they have the same depth and breadth as the Mariners? Do I think the Mariners have a better bullpen? Very much so. Uh, I, I think. Know, I mean, Kimbrel obviously is incredible. But yeah, I see your Kimbrel and Razy one Edwin Diaz, yeah. who's <laughs> literally better than him in every way, according to <laughs> this um, year. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely so far this year. So I, I think it's going to be really. I'm really excited because. They've. I mean, they, what is there to be stressed about, right? I mean, yeah. like, the 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 worst case scenario is they get beaten, and you know, a fair amount. And if even in that situation, like if they get swept the next, if they get swept by Boston and by the Yankees, they will still be in a playoff spot, even if the Angels go on a seven-game winning streak. And who do the Angels have to play? Uh, I think next? they have a day off tomorrow and. I don't even know. Like, I mean, like that's just what? that 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 is literally the situation. <laughs> and I mentioned this earlier, I think, in Slack, our terrible elitist Slack, um, <laughs> that if this series or the, these upcoming two series, it feels like when you study really hard for a test in yeah. high school or in college, and <laughs> yes, so you walk in the door and you're like, and you're pumped, even though it's scary. You're pumped. You're ready to absolutely crush this test. And I'm excited to see them face big competition. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, there's not going to be anyone bigger than the Red Sox and the Yankees right now. Yeah. Like, this is it. We can finally put to bed those, like, they haven't played good teams yeah. conversations. And, like, it's also their first time against a lot of these teams for the season. So, um, you know, we we saw the Angels once. And then I think that they made some adjustments and they went back out and they were facing a team that wasn't quite as strong. But a lot of those guys are the same guys. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't have to face they didn't have to uh, face Simmons and they didn't have to face Otani, obviously. But other than that, it was a lot of the same guys. A lot of mm-hmm. uh, weird triple A guys. Jabari <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blash, what's up? Yeah. You weirdo. Um, but... I think that ex- more exposure to those clubs helps as well. And mm-hmm. um, I, I would be very disappointed if they got swept by the Red Sox. I will say very, yes. I don't expect them to, and I will be disappointed if they do, because Safeco is going to be packed. 
there's yeah. going to be you know here's yeah. another one of those huge moments don't fall on your face things just and make it close make it close i really friday like here's how i think it'll go i think they might lose thursday mm -hmm. uh yep. you know they're just they're having not a good match yeah that's that's rough i mean if the bats like go off or whatever but who's starting for the red sox uh david price yeah, so. yeah that's it's gonna be that's good. that's not a good matchup <laughs> <laughs> but friday you're gonna have paxton you're gonna have the maple grove and you're gonna have a pissed off team that lost the night before exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So I anticipate them coming back, and then I don't know what's going to happen. On it's what? two more games, right? That part sucks mm -hmm. a little bit too. I would really <laughs> be disappointed by a. I I would like them to get a split out of it. I would feel really good about a split. Winning one game would be maybe the most likely outcome. Maybe they win the Paxton game. I would really not feel great if they got swept at home. That would that would be, I think, a huge damper on all yeah. this goodwill that they've built up with the city. You know, mm -hmm. people, you turn on sports radio and they're like actually talking about the Mariners. Like random people in bars are talking to me about the Mariners. Like, and they don't even know, like, they don't know who I am. Like, they do not know how <laughs> invested I am, but. It feels, <laughs> it feels so good. I have a question for the two of you. What? matchup do you like better the Yankees or the Red Sox I like the Red Sox better because we're playing them here um and I mean Yankee Stadium is ridiculous and I think but the Yankee all... pitching is a little suspect in places especially because mm -hmm. you have Tanaka out right now right yeah and mm -hmm. they just lost Montgomery for the year they just lost That's Montgomery. Right. yeah so I feel like there are some advantages to be had there they're just such mashers and they're playing in their home and we do not have like you know fireballers exactly yeah. and and they have yeah their bullpen is mm -hmm. and they're probably one of the scary. only ones that can outdo the Mariners yeah so I feel like a home court advantage helps them through the Red Sox um which they're going to need. They tend to play pretty well in Fenway, though, so I'm hoping that, you know, they can go out there and make up. And, and they're not starting Rob Boylan and Giovanni Gallardo this year in, in Fenway, which I have Gallardo. just a weirdly, like, vivid Specific memory of. Specific memory of, yeah. It was that road trip from hell where it started yeah. in Washington, and that was Rob Whalen's start when they got rained on. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Just all of them standing around pathetically in the rain <laughs> like drowned rats and losing. So awful. Like, the visuals oh. from that game haunt me. 2017 was so the bad. The worst! Extremely Gene Ralphio voice. The worst! <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like the matchup. I, I want them to come out. I would love a series split at home against the Red Sox. Um, yeah. They're the ones cute. who are out of their Agreed. time zones. So, and then, you know, do whatever you can against the Yankees. P please win one. Like, I just, I don't want to get swept by other teams. Yeah. I think that's a really good goal to have going into these final weeks of June is just don't get swept. Don't get mm -hmm. swept. So, I mean, I, generally I would say it's win series, win series. Don't think about sweeps, but win series. Um, when you go other places, especially the Red Sox and the Yankees, think about not getting swept. Mm -hmm. And just continue to do damage against the same guys you've been doing damage against. And, and Also, like, how excited are you to watch rejuvenated 
Nelson Cruz in Yankee Stadium and in Fenway Park. Like, I'm excited to watch rejuvenated Nelson Cruz at home at Safeco against the Red Sox because he is he, some kind of locked in right now. And mm-hmm. I'm just, if and we a could lot get... of, I think a couple lefties, right? Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. I mean, Price and then uh, I guess Price maybe is the only one, but still, yeah, very, very, very much so. Uh, gonna be, gonna be fun. Um, should we uh, should we Do go ahead questions? and take a break and then get some questions? Sounds good to me. I could use some water. Sounds good. And by water, I mean beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll take a break and we'll come back and answer your questions. All I needed was the love you gave. All I needed for another day. And all I Now is the time on the Lookout Landing podcast when we answer your questions. So, John, what have you got for us today? Well, Kate, (laughs) (laughs) we've got plenty of questions. Uh, I I believe we've discovered that asking questions immediately following one of the most exciting wins. Yeah, it gets gets uh, a lot of questions. Gets people excited. A lot of fish swimming in the pond at that time. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. No trout, though. No trout, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of trout, but just... Yeah. (laughs) Just one big trout. (laughs) Yeah, one massive fucking grouper-sized trout. Deep-sea tuna-sized trout. Uh... (laughs) And no utensils. No way for that trout to be useful. Oh, man. Yeah. Man uh, cannot live by trout alone. Just throwing out all the fish names. You know. yeah, I think I'm out. Um, not a halibut. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's start with one here from uh, Joshua Jodick. Uh, at Joshua Jodick. Uh, and the question is, uh, internal or external options to replace Andrew Romine as Mm. the utility man? Um, not to, you know, I, I think we can throw some out here, but, uh, I believe our own Ben Thoen is having a, uh, a piece on this very subject, uh, that will be out probably... Uh, that he started working on feverishly during the <laughs> game, game today. Yeah, it had been game. on the back burner, but uh, he went ahead and cranked that flame up to high today. <laughs> as it was yeah, not yeah. one of Andrew Roman's better appearances as a Mariner. It was also his first appearance as a Mariner in, what, like a week? It, I did actually explicitly can like think before I saw that Seeger got scratched. Man, like... We like they just never play Andrew Romine, huh? Yeah, and I think that was maybe my good. fault then. Which like, there's a reason they don't oh, there play is. him. Yeah, I feel so the... bad because Edgar really likes him and has worked on him. Worked like if you watch batting practice, Edgar and Romine are just like working, working, working every day. They're working. He works so hard, and it's just. Man, that was that was rough. And yet they came out of it anyway, so And he was so beloved in by the Tigers fan base, I think. Like Well he's I lovely. All... I mean there's a reason he's here and Taylor Motter is not. 
And that reason does not have to do solely with baseball ability. <laughs> that, In fact, one reason, might argue... That reason is not existing either batter spot. <laughs> it, is, it is despite baseball ability, <laughs> yet he is still here. If that tells you anything about the way Modder was regarded in the clubhouse. Yeah. So, which was not great. No. So what, I, I, I don't know if you guys maybe have, have looked too heavily into this, but are, are there any particular players that you guys would be interested in seeing or, or think that might be good fits just off the top of your head? I don't hold on to grudges, but I do cling to, I don't often do the like hypothetical pieces on LL of like, who could we draft? What prospects do you like? Who could you trade for? But I got suckered into Eduardo Nunez in a, mm. the off-season plan, and <laughs> I just can't let him go. I don't even know if he's been abysmal this season. It doesn't particularly matter. I think I he got off to him. a slow start because I put him on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking from the off-season, I had also had an inflated concept of Eduardo Nunez. But, <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a slow a slow build for him. Yeah, I, I believe you're very correct on that slow start. I, I think it's it's been fine uh, subsequently, but uh, it's oh. it's definitely not been good. It's, oh, it's not, what we would call bad. Not fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah, I take it all back. Take it all back now. Holy shit. Oh, my gosh. Uh he, I mean, I mean it, all well, I know is I benched him. I did not I check to see what the if the you, you, decline had continued. You're not the only one who's benched yeah, him. You I might want to double bench him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that man has a negative point six uh, WAR this year uh, and uh, a sixty seven WRC plus, which, on the fa- in fairness, would be I mean... a fifty point upgrade <laughs> yeah. from Andrew Roma. Right. He's Although, he's somehow walking two point nine percent of the time. Yeah, oh, boy. I guess I, what what I would say is I think the issue with Nunez is that he's not really an outfielder, which is not as consequential. But I mean, I, I think if we're talking about guys that the play the team is likely to look for, I don't think they would go for someone who just could play infield because if they felt comfortable just having someone who could play infield, Gordon Beckham would be here. Right. Which, uh, which is what I think they should do ultimately. Go for someone who just No, infield. just pull Gordon Beckham up. Oh, I guess yeah. No, I'm, I do agree that that should be done. <laughs> I'm so much less concerned about them having someone to pull into the outfield uh-huh. just given the fact that like in a pinch, yeah, it's not your greatest use of resources, but D can go out there. Yeah. Like, well, it's you, really you short. Have... It's really shortstop there because Andrew Roman can pay, play a possible shortstop, and Gordon Beckham cannot. Can like, he not though? Like, I mean, I is, really, he, is he is he worse than? He is, can, do you think no. he's worse than Roman? Because like he was. Oh well, one hundred percent, he's worse than Roman. As far as a defensive hmm. replacement, one hundred percent. Romine has a lot of um, agility and range that Beckham just doesn't have. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I feel it. I in my memory, ju- just in large part because Beckham was moved off of shortstop when he first came up to third base because they wanted to get his bat up as much as anything. Uh, like when he came up, as in like. A decade ago, right. but just thinking, he has you know a little bit more of the Segura style, less necessarily glove but focus, but has an arm, uh, kind of thing. But 
You yeah. know who else used to play shortstop? D. Gordon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, just make the whole field out of D. <laughs> just make the whole yeah. team out of D. Gordon's. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Um, That'd yeah. be excruciating to watch. I mean, I, I do kind of wonder, like, obviously you have Andrew Romine in there for his glove and not his bat. And, you know, it was clearly a, a last-minute thing with Seeger today. And you hope that you can get by with only needing to use Andrew Romine sometimes and hope that the rest of your team is going to gonna pick him up. And mm-hmm. today they did. Um mm-hmm. So I I'm going to say I don't love the idea of, like, I, giving up anything too significant to upgrade at utility, um, especially yeah. because I have questions about what will be an actual upgrade there. But I will say one target I have my eye on a little bit is um, Franklin Barreto with the A's, who can play oh. second base and shortstop and really finds himself without a spot on that team. You know, he's buried in AAA. Um, they, yeah, they keep just bouncing him up and down, don't they? They keep bouncing him up and down. It kind of feels like the thing where he's, like, at that point of falling out of favor a little bit. Um, he's He was awful when he was up in a short amount of time. I think yeah. he had, like, a WRC plus of, like, negative 49. But he had seven plate appearances. So, yeah. like... Uh, they just they're he's not getting a really fair shot i think they kind of have him there it's for insurance weird, purposes actually, how how little of a shot he's getting mm-hmm. i mean i guess lowry's blocking him yeah i mean they they and, just have such simian, a they have but... um simian they have olsen they have and i think maybe if like simian's defense hadn't gotten a little bit better you might see him get more of a chance but you know he's just and he's not exactly tearing up triple a this year but or did he didn't last year either really Hmm. um so yeah i think he's definitely one who's like stars maybe a little bit on the on the decline we might be able to get him he's definitely i think an upgrade over romine um i i feel like it'd be tough to get him just because he's so young still uh he's only 22 22, yeah but uh you know but i mean i I think that's the type of guy that they're probably gonna need to look for right you know you're not I mean, it's either that or you look for a veteran on a really bad team, right? And that, I guess, my my hope is someone like Jose Iglesias, only because that seems like someone they could afford. You know, he's having a good year. But, you know, I mean, a guy who's been a good defensive shortstop, which typically means you can handle second base. I don't know if he's ever actually played third base, but... If you can play shortstop well for most of your career, you know, I think you can handle third. And his bat isn't anything to write home about, but, you know, that's sort of, the, it's sort of that same thing of if you can do fine with mm-hmm. a bat, you know, you don't. You He's don't, having a good yeah, season. Yeah. And this, I think this is maybe his best year, uh, probably right now that he's, he's ever had, but. Even still, you know, I mean, the Tigers are not... There's no situation where Iglesias is on the next good Tigers team, right? Right. I think he's he's either... Either this is his final year of arbitration, or he's got one more year after this. You know, so I I, I would like that. You know, that that type... I mean, I would love Franklin Barreto. I just... I, I feel concerned only because of his age but as far as what as far as what the a's i don't think he has a ton of value to the a's as an organization just because they have so many other prospects who are 
in position to take that over, but yeah. he might have more trade value to an organization, a, a different organization that's looking to upgrade. Yeah, yeah. I also position. we can get Vogel back. They can just stack another power and walks exclusively, <laughs> yeah. dude, on top of all the other guys tower. they have. And the, the A's are in kind of a funky situation too, like a little bit like the Mariners last season of like. They could maybe make a push. They could also just feasibly stop and sell. I really do like the idea of Iglesias, though, because he's the right age at 29. He's the right salary. Um, he's the right general profile. He's not going to kill you out there. He plays a pretty mm. decent shortstop. The only problem is that he's too good. So he's having too good a year. Start mm. sucking, Jose. Please and thank you. I promise you like Seattle. It's very it's it, it's much better than Detroit. Um all right, let's see. Uh I've got a question here from our own Anders George. Uh what's going on, Ders? If you were the front office, who would you give an extension to ASAP and what would they look like? And and Give before I just I wanna uh, who would that? Uh, what would that look like? And uh, this was a question we got a few versions of, um, including uh, from Anthony Peck at Anthony D. Peck. If you could only extend one player on the current roster, what fighting style do you use to beat whoever <laughs> made that rule? Um, or outside of Paxton and Hanniger, who else on the current roster stands out as good extension? Right, candidates? because we would assume that they would just throw all the money at Paxton if Scott Boris would let him mm-hmm. sign an extension. So we're uh, not, we'll, yeah. we'll take Paxton out of this thought exercise. Yeah. Nelson Cruz. Nelson I'm Cruz. Going, I'm going to wave that flag until they actually do sign an extension for him, preferably before the end of the season. Just There is nothing that's going to come up on the free agent market that's going to be better than Nelson Cruz from the DH spot. Mm -hmm. You are not going to get, like, just don't lose him in the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Don't lose his bat. Just keep him there. Keep him happy. His bat looks great in the clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) One, like, we've talked about this before, like a one-year deal, lots of incentives, maybe another option, but, like, Make it team friendly because I think, like, he wants to stay here. He wanted to be here, whatever it was in 2014. He's not going to actively look around unless they tell him no, I don't think. Yeah. And this is something we know that they are, they have been making an effort to do. So it certainly seems like it's, it's, it's within reach. Yeah. I, I, we've, Divish, Ryan Divish, the Mariners beat reporter for the Times, has said, you know, they have had talks off and on about a sort of David Ortiz style, yeah. you know, year to year extension type thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think. Seems, you know, which seems fair to both parties, even. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, especially, you know, I, it, you do have a situation of like, yeah, like he's older and maybe he'll fall off at a certain point, but like. Until he shows any sign that that's imminent, like there's just mm-hmm. he's just he's just worth it. I also for all the, for all the things he does. I maybe put too much onto him, but I feel like what, if they do like the year to year deals, and he kind of reaches that point where he's bad and he's just going to be bad, and his body is broken down. I don't think it's beyond comprehension that he would 
back out gracefully. He seems very much like a team comes first kind of guy. Mm. Like I just think it's a win-win on both accounts if they extend him and kind of keep that relationship going. I mean, if he's not good, as long as it's a year thing, like you mm-hmm. can yeah. gradually back him out of the lineup and, you know, yeah. Never... give him a bunch of off days yeah. and... And shoot, I mean, they're just going to keep doing this with Vogelback. Like, Never have we ever had a DH problem here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I, 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 sorry, I, I don't, before that, Kate, do you have a do you have an alternative? You don't need to, but I but I no I, Nelson, I agree would, on Nelson would be my pick okay. as well. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's go to question from Benjamin Casperson at Ben the Analyst. What do the Mariners do with Robinson Cano when he returns? Does he split time with D? I think we got uh, a few questions on this. Yes. Yeah, we did. Theme. We also got one from Jeff at at Magigo, uh, which probably could be enunciated differently, but uh, that's the way I'm going with it. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, just I, I think it's probably going to be the most fascinating question of the second half, especially if the Mariners mm-hmm. continue to roughly hang around or if they even keep building on this. Um, you know, do they put him at, uh, to finish Ben's question, DH, first base? What do they, what do, they do? Well, do you want to go, Kate? As we mentioned in the Slack, the. How, what do Elitist. they do? <laughs> what do they do with Cano is a two week problem, right? Three weeks? When is he due to come back? Uh, August. 12 August 13, okay, so like mid August, so you have two more weeks before rosters expand, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have a problem of like creating a space for him on the roster, mm-hmm. and then you have a playing time issue. I think that what we'll see is we'll see, um, and this has been said basically by service, and um, that we'll see D and Cano splitting time at second base. Um, which I think makes the most sense. Like, Cano is older, give him a couple days off with the legs. You can then rest Cruz a little bit more and have Mm -hmm. Cano DH, um, and then run D out in center field every so often. Just, uh, I think, I think it'll be fine, honestly. I'm, I am, of all my concerns about the Mariners 2018, (laughs) what happens when Robinson Cano comes back list is way at the bottom of that. I mean, I'm almost inclined for the first like week or two that he's back, assuming that he kind of comes back full strength, ready to go. I'd be almost inclined to like, not phantom DLD, but like he's still got that broken toe. We know that it has healed, but it kind of, the only way it fully heals is if you take extensive time off to just like not put any weight on it. And I kind of love the idea of being able to rest him a little bit before they make this final push. I also think he's super, super cool to have coming off the bench. Like, sixth inning replacement kind of thing. That's a very neat dynamic to be able to have almost comparable defense and swapping in, okay, we've got our power, like we had our power hitter up twice and now... We're going to, I don't know, Robbie's on base and we're going to pinch run with D and then we'll have that speed in the lineup. 
as we get to the later innings. It's really an embarrassment of riches. Like, <laughs> oh, where do we put all these good players? And, uh, you know, that's been huge because of Heredia's emergence. Like, his abilities, mm-hmm. both offensively and defensively, is always doing something positive for the team. And w- without the play of Guillermo Heredia, we would be so sunk. But yeah. that has that has been a huge boon that he's been able to kind of take mm-hmm. over that role and, and be yeah. useful. So Yeah. And really the whole outfield now has has picked up. I mean Span has come in and has just Yes, yeah, I, for, I forget about him constantly. And, and Gamel uh, after the injury has sort mm-hmm. sort of has done the thing that people seem to do where when they first come back from an oblique, their like first couple weeks are just atrocious and then getting sort of into, you know, get, he's sort of felt, looked comfortable again. You know, Kate, I think you have been more patient on Ben Gamble than I have been willing to be, certainly. And, I, I you know, I think you have been right to do so, or, or had, it has it has borne out well uh, as, as he's gotten further and further from that injury, too. So just, you know, having four yes, productive it is, it is outfielders. Me. The Ben Gamble, <laughs> the Ben Gamble stand. Um, no, I mean Ben Gamble is running a 124 WRC plus, which is yeah. way am, way different from where he was. And I'm pretty excited for like the Ben Gamble quasi revenge tour at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they definitely. And you know he's already been worth 0.2 F WAR, which a lot of, I mean, I think he was projected for negative F WAR a lot of places. So. <laughs> I yeah. I bet I bet the over on Ben Gamble when we were doing our um, projections and obviously mm-hmm. I think that if he was playing full time I think the numbers would look really different but yeah. they are very lucky in that they have a a host of pretty decent hitting and a range of fielding outfielders out there to choose from. Yeah, yeah. it's a neat situation where I think they've they've been able to do the sort of we'll pinch hit whichever of our lefty, you know, guys that are on the bench, uh, you know, in late innings, and then just have them just be able to slot right in. Yeah, that's That's been a neat dynamic, because the Mariners haven't really had, you know, it's been at least a year, and, and, you know, maybe even back into 2016, where the team was starting multiple guys who would be better as full-time pinch hitters instead of, uh, right. you know. You know, since they've had guys on the bench who would be worthwhile hitters. You know, it's, it's a nice luxury. 100%. Um, let's see here. Uh, what about this question from Don Vito at Tro 04697249. Uh, your opinions on Kyle's portrait last night. <laughs> Uh, this, of course, referring to the uh, class instant classic produced by the artist Weirdo uh, in center field uh, during last night's game, depicting Kyle Seeger doing the classic thumbs up uh, celebration, and uh, it appearing to be about eighty five percent Kyle's Mega Mind head. Um, yeah, I played. Uh, I played the fifth on that. I do not want to. <laughs> like artistry is hard, and uh, you know that was just. But yeah, Mega Mind is the right 
<clears throat> it was just it, it was the angle they had it propped at too it was a really unfortunate <laughs> angle it looked better once it was upright but mm. oh boy that was rough that was rough times let's move on i don't i don't want to drag fair this enough. poor artist's name through the mud too hard no, that's fair. um a question from seattle sports fan number nine at hunter underscore top hat uh do we still have a shot at chris archer and if not who can we feasibly get this is sort of another in the series of what upgrades can be made. So I'll just acknowledge another question from Sean Rosales at Sean underscore ESPN. What are two minor realistic moves you'd like to see Jerry pull off? Maybe the opposite side of that coin. Yeah. You never give up on your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Chris Archer as a Mariner is a dream. Oh, I just, I'm afraid that they do not have the pieces to pull that off. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't, especially once they dealt um, more in Romero to get column A and Span, which I think Span was a salary offload, as I've said before, Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, and pretty much the only remaining salary offload that the uh, Rays had, had, you know what I mean? Like, they're they're not paying anyone. (laughs) So it's not like they even have. I think that move just spoke volumes about the starting pitching market mm-hmm. so to move into like who could we feasibly get or two minor moves and to sort of touch back on that first question about um utility options i honestly am inclined to think that they should go all in on an upgrade for the utility position then a starting pitcher because we've talked about this a lot I think um, or at least John and I have and we've talked in SAC there's no starting pitcher that they could reasonably acquire that is going to be a substantial upgrade over what they have whereas I think that if I think there are utility options out there that they could acquire reasonably that would be an unbelievable upgrade over Andrew Romine right mm-hmm and there's always bullpen help out there too. If they, you know, a minor bullpen piece, they oh, do I seem think... to have a good history with plucking some guy from AAA obscurity <laughs> and turning him into Casey Lawrence, useful pitcher. I don't know how many more Casey Lawrences we need. Like we have one. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, he's down there in Tacoma. He's down there in Tacoma throwing his Maddoxes. You know, I don't. I don't know how many. How lucky so, you can get. What it. When's he going to, are we going to see him soon? Because I was going to say, yeah, like, obviously there is sort he's, of a, like, overlap between what he does and what uh, like give Bradford Jason, does. Give but Jason like, a break, maybe? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or just yeah, I mean, right stuff now, the bullpen just, and send Bobo back down. It's just holding as many cards as they can to mm. ward off against injury. You know, pitchers get hurt. They get hurt a lot. So, mm. um, that's what I, I mean, bullpen and and utility, but I mean the move for Span and for Column A, which specifically I think was about Column A, was a that was a big one, um, mm-hmm. and they yeah. gave up some pretty significant trade chips to get there. So yeah, um, I, I would also sort of not be surprised if they started poking around first baseman, especially if I don't know if I'm just making up dream players now. But, like, if there is a utility, if they find a utility guy who has a decent enough bat that he could slot in and platoon with Ryan on occasion, that'd be huge. 
Um, the other thing is there's like nothing in the system that could help them out with utility. As far as utility goes, we've kind of seen the depth that they have. I don't think anyone from the lower minors like AA, um, you know, Chris Mariscal, I think is having a pretty good season at double A, but he will need some more seasoning. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not a yeah. guy you want making that yeah. jump. No, like, not. No. There's plenty of guys eventually, but it's like Bryson yeah. Brigman's not coming up this year no but like there are guys who, who could potentially be bullpen help who could make a an yes. edwin diaz or a dan altavilla style jump mm-hmm. you know art warren is back and healthy now um Festa's still festa is up. dealing and darren gillies is having a, a some success in tacoma as well so he's a little closer so there are some mm-hmm. there are still some arms that can help them out on the farm yeah uh, let's see. Uh, do 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 What about uh this question? Well, we got we got two more questions here that we'll we'll go with uh, uh finishing up. Uh, this one comes from Isaac Estrani Iroig, uh, which I think I nailed. At uh, <laughs> LotGoodDoggo on Twitter. R.E. Diaz's entrance music. Are you more Narco or Azukita? Uh, I like the Narco. Because <laughs> it's like, you start clapping along. But as much as I dislike usually when they meld together two different songs in order to appease your largely American audience and your <laughs> entirely... Puerto Rican closer. Uh, I think that that one works pretty well the way that they've yeah. they've got them together. It's a I, it's very solid. I love that it comes in with that trumpet because I always remember how like his song that he originally wanted was deemed too slow, but it was sort of it <laughs> too had mellow, too yeah. mellow for the stadium. But it had like a sort of trumpet. Rato- I think it's called Pake Ratosen. It's, it is on. It's in my iTunes library. Anyway, I like that it starts a little slower because it makes me feel like this was actually what he wanted to like run into, mm-hmm. and then it does, like, just an anvil smash keychain yeah. into like the rap segment, and I love it so much. And then you have the fun of like the trumpet, right? Like, mm-hmm. and everybody stands up, and it kind of feels like it's only kind of royal. Can I get one right? more again? One more again on that? <laughs> there like, we go. Yes. <laughs> why are you making fun of my trumpet noise? <laughs> Perfect. All right. Next. Next. We, uh, next and El Final. Yes, okay. I, I would agree. The, the trumpets are fucking awesome. I loved last year's because of their trumpets. Uh, so I think Edwin just maybe really into trumpets generally, but uh, yeah, this one seems to be a good fit. Maybe not, maybe isn't making him a little too hype, which I think last year was. Uh, okay, let's finish with this question by Aaron. Good choice. At Aaron Gobrag. Go, 91. I believe it is Gobra. Like, Gobra. Like, like Aaron Gobra. Like Aaron Gobra. Like Aaron Gobra. Like what you say every, every freaking St. Patrick's Day. We have different St. <laughs> Patrick's Day traditions, Kate. Lord. <laughs> uh, 
what aspect of the 2018 Mariners uh, is most criminally overlooked by the rest of the nation? Hmm. Isabel? Um, I guess this is very, very niche um, and not an aspect so much as it is a tiny moment. Um, but I love watching Marco pick guys off of first. <laughs> it, I think maybe I've just spent too much time with John now. But ah. it is so fun and satisfying when he does it especially because it's so smooth and you sort of blink and all of a sudden in this fluid motion they're just doomed and it feels a little like marco cleaning up after himself of like mm-hmm. oops sorry guys don't worry i'll handle it it's especially good when he does it after a walk mm-hmm. it really leans into that like <laughs> oh shoot let me get that yeah, I mean, I feel like you could even expand that to say just, like, Marco in general is an underrated... I think a lot of people just didn't buy in or believe in him, and, you know, he's had... A, we could just get a question about, well, he's had a couple short outings recently, like, is there cause for concern? Uh, mm-hmm. Marco is still getting used to being a full-time starting pitcher. Like, he just wasn't ever that at the major league level. The Cardinals brought him up really quickly, like, just didn't have, I think, time to really grow into himself and learn how to make these mistakes, and you're going to see that. Like, you're going to see him make mistakes. You're going to see him get over-aggressive. He did that today, and he got punished by pitching to Trout. Like, I appreciate you want to toe up, like, square up best against the best, but like, oh boy. Well, uh, and- and the question, by the way, it was something about, like, whether we should be concerned about Marco because he's, like, seemed to be struggling in his last few starts. And I'm not sure if whoever asked that question maybe hasn't tuned in recently, hasn't watched Marco's starts, mixed him up with Felix, who knows. Because oh. um, Marco, last start, 7.1 innings. Uh, Longest start of his career. Gave up two earned runs. Uh, Start before that, 6.2. Gave up one earned run. Before that, 6.2. Gave up no earned runs. And then before that, 7. No earned runs. And then 5.2. Again, no earned runs. He hasn't given up more than two runs since May 12th. Yeah. So, two months. And, I mean, I think that it's, t- like, it, it kind of stuck in some people's minds when he started off and, like, didn't exactly come in kicking down the doors or anything. You know, he, I think for those of us who were attuned to looking to him, we were encouraged by that performance. But, um, you it was, know... It was not overwhelming. To, it was not overwhelming. Marco is a quiet pitcher, and I said this when the trade with Tyler O'Neill went down, like, well, it's going to be really hard for Marco to win hearts and minds because he's not like a flashy Canadian power hitting outfielder. Like that's a fun profile. I, I thought that's you were going to say thing. a flashy Canadian 97 mile per hour throwing pitcher. Well, I mean, that's, that's a different thing, but <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard to get excited yeah. about a, a lefty who is a command control, like best pitches a change up. Yeah, yeah. He, he's sneaky. He's like, he's sneaky. I mean, Rick Porcello won the Cy Young. Like, 
anything can happen. And <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying Marco's going to win the Cy Young now or ever, but I think that pitchers like him that are just quiet humans and quiet pitchers in that they kind of they're not workmanlike in the way that like Leak goes out and does his business. Like Marco has some finesse and some beauty to it in a way that Leak doesn't, but he's not going to get massive special cheering sections for him. He's not going to like generate major national attention, but he, you, all of a sudden you're going to show up on his fan graphs page and you're going, holy shit, he's good. Yeah. Which the last thing on his fan graphs page, the last thing that was written about him on fan graphs that's linked on there is something about how he's due for regression and he's actually just not. I believe the phrase not that good is used in it. How many so. I'm I'm curious I'm directly looking at it right now, so I, I cannot uh, in good conscience do it, but unless you if you're not looking at the fan graphs page, how many starts do you think Marco Gonzalez has in his career after today? I don't know, 24? This was his 28th career start today. Not not far off. I mean, that's just, he's just not, for as much, you know, MLB experience as he has, or, you know, strange bouncing up and down, this is his first full season. It's his first full season, and it's his first full season of working through a lineup multiple times, and it's his first full season of, like, having to face guys like trout and he's going to make mistakes like he's he's a competitor he's not quite a mike leak who's like let me craft my way out of this or a wade leblanc like marco has a little bit of a bulldog mentality and he's competitive and he'll go out guys and sometimes he's gonna get burned for that but he'll learn it's also his first full season back to complete health oh. it is that cannot be emphasized enough mm-hmm yeah. So I agree. I, I I think Marco is my choice for um, something that's just not getting a ton of attention. And if he is getting attention, it's people saying, "Well, he's he's going to regress," or "We don't have enough stats on him to say he's good," or you know, just outright like not getting attention. Period. What about you, John? You have to answer non-Marco edition. <laughs> yeah. Non-Marco edition. Um, I, I mean, the national attention thing is is tough because I I typically think like. When you're looking for national attention, you're usually just going to get, you know, I don't think you're ever going to really be satisfied because it's not ever going to be as familiar, especially if you're someone who follows your team really attentively. It's never going to be as good, right. you know, or, or as detailed that you're never, they're never going to get all the nuance um, that you want them to. And, and so I, I yeah, Ben Lindbergh is a great writer, and I was frustrated with aspects of that Ringer article. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and it's like the people are national writers usually because they did something well for a while, but you can't know everything right. the way that local people often are going to focus on it. But with that in mind, I, I do think Edwin Diaz, people understand that he's good. Um so. He's so good. He's, He's so, so good. fucking good. And, you know, like it's understood of like, oh yeah, Edwin Diaz is like a great closer. Like, no, no, no. Edwin Diaz. <laughs> Edwin Diaz is twenty four. Uh, yeah, he's he's. I I know that because I know how old I am. Um, <laughs> and he's like 
four days younger than me or whatever. Yeah. You're Sick. also. It's, it's, he is just un, unbelievably good. And he's been the reason, I mean, like, there, this is an oversimplification. And if you're not particularly interested in sabermetrics, like it may bore you, but like the way that scouting metrics are done or scouting grades are done. It's usually like, you know, 40 is sort of a replacement level player and 45 is sort of a, you know, a, a okay starter. And and so the way that that translates through to, you know, starting pitchers is like a 45 would be like a five starter or a decent reliever. And then like a 50 would be, you know, like a one, a one win reliever, or like a one win starter. Um, you know, and like a 50 would be like a two win starter or a two win reliever, you know, and, and, uh, you know, 55 maybe would be like a three, you know, the best relievers. And then typically the grading scale stops because there aren't relievers better than that (laughs) because you just can't do that much when you're a reliever. But Edwin Diaz is better than that. Like there, there are people occasionally that just like break the scale, not just because like, you know, there have been better relief pitchers than Edwin Diaz, but. I don't know that there have been that many relievers that have been in a situation where their team needed them to be lights out the way that the Mariners need Edwin Diaz Mm. to be consistently lights Mm. out and have had that guy deliver so much. And so, you know, when, if, and when the Mariners are, are in the playoffs this year, (laughs) it will be because Edwin Diaz has done so and has, has done an incredible job uh, has given Scott Service a remarkable haircut, um, <laughs> you know, and is, I mean, he's on, I, I don't know if he's on pace. I think he's on pace for like 60 saves, but like, yeah, he is. You know, the record's 62 and it's not, you know, I mean, it's concerning in the sense that like, well, that's a lot of work for him, but it's also like, he's been brilliant and he not only has he it's not just been the flashes of brilliance that he's shown over reasonable stretches it's been the stretch it's been the oh something's wrong with me Mm. nine times out of ten i can fix it myself on the mound you know like he had one or two shaky outings in a row where he was not great but it was still like he's now able to fix it because he can go to both his pitches and say all right, let me let me get back on track with this. Well, and that's like the super cool part of this season is that you won't get the same kind of awe watching him this season if you didn't watch him last year or the year before, which is very like, I knew them. Um, but like we watched him as this young, naive guy coming in and so much fire, but it was going everywhere. And sometimes just like straight up, sometimes he like mm-hmm. set himself on fire. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's focused and it's controlled. And like John said, it is so cool and nerve wracking to watch him <laughs> sort of lose. You, he'll come out and you can tell he's like not got a feel for that slider quite right. So instead he just starts locating fastballs and you can watch that velocity tick up as he kind of settles in and like, no, screw you. You're getting 98 inside on the hands. You can do nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's been, like, when he comes out, you can usually tell within, like, two pitches 
whether you're getting um, doesn't quite have his command Edwin, mm -hmm. fine Edwin, or world-beating Edwin. Yeah. And, and when it's world-beating you can tell within two pitches, it's like the hitters look lost, he's pumped up, and it's just, it's good night. Like, you might as well just turn off the lights at that point because they're not getting a hit off of him. And, and his confidence just skyrockets. Like, he just, believes he's unhittable. The simple existence of that third Edwin this year has been huge. Yeah. Of, like, it's not do <laughs> yeah. or die. Yeah. It's yeah, I do, don't think that... Do he wasn't around less. last year. Yeah. I, like, he got in these positions where he'd struggle and he just couldn't... He couldn't get himself out of it. And now I think you do see that Edwin where... Like you were saying, he has, he has that ability to self-correct. He has the ability to pull back and say, this pitch feels good, this pitch doesn't. And what I've noticed is sometimes when he doesn't have one pitch working, he leans on the other one. Mm -hmm. And then if he's ahead in the count, he goes back to something mm -hmm. that he, yeah. you know, if it's the slider that's not working, he goes back to the slider, gets a feel for it again, and then works himself out of the jam. So. Exactly. It's it's what every teacher wants to see. <laughs> it is. It it's, is. Yeah, it's it's improvement on on your your mistakes and and, and on your natural gifts. It's taking yeah. not just those natural gifts, which I think is something you see with Chapman a little bit, right? Like Chapman has <laughs> world beating stuff that he consistently cannot come. Like I don't think he gets better every year, Aroldis mm. Chapman. I think he just does his thing and it's like sometimes it works out and sometimes it's a disaster but yeah. he doesn't i think have that same ability which is what's so impressive to me about edwin at such a young age he isn't just like this dominant closer who has all these you know he has the swagger he has the belief in himself he has that confidence but he also is humble he has the ability to say like oh i need to fix this or i need to mm -hmm. you know he's he's coachable he's teachable and I think that more than just the pure talent alone is what makes him the best closer. He's the best closer in the game right now. Yeah. I agree. All right. On that note. That was a fun that was a fun thing. Talking about Edwin is always fun. That's a fun way to end off in yeah. the podcast for God, tonight, I think. I guess that yeah, I mean like that was one of the best moments of this entire series was just like Edwin getting to face, getting to watch Edwin face Mike Trout oh my in God. situations where Mike Trout didn't have the ability to end the game or to like ruin the game mm -hmm. and just have it be like. And then the quotes we got from Edwin after yeah. that. Yeah. Mike Trout turning around and laughing, like mm -hmm. just laughing after Edwin yeah. struck him out, which I thought was a cool moment. Just yeah. the most likable. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see him go up against the Red Sox. I hope the yeah. Mariners can put him in a Have position a where he has that. <laughs> yeah. I hope that, that at least once during the I don't series see we why get not. to see I, I mean, that happen. With the, with, the, with the just ridiculousness of this team, I see no reason why they won't have a shot. We will say it's definitely going to be – it's fun times. It's fun times to be writing about the Mariners. It's definitely yeah. – fun time to be posting stories about them and following them closely and uh podcasting way way too long about them so <laughs> we're super excited over at lookout and uh we hope you are too and well i mean obviously you are you <laughs> if you've listened to all of it <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yes, if you're here <laughs> yeah. so we're here we're so glad you're here um 
the ballpark pass is on sale for July. 98 bucks gets you in to every home game this that month, uh, which is I think it works out to like seven bucks a day. Super fun. I just bought mine. Um, so I'm really excited to get out there and support the team. And I hope those of you who are able to will come meet us at Safeco as well. We can cheer this team on because they deserve it. And frankly, we deserve it. We deserve <laughs> Darn it. Darn right. It has been a long time wandering the desert of mm-hmm. no playoffs and unhappiness. And this team is stupid fun. So yeah. all aboard. Absolutely. All, all right. right. Well, I'm Kate. John and Isabel have been my co-hosts. And thank you very much. Thank you for those of you who sent in questions. And thank you to everybody who listened through this whole thing. Uh, go Mariners. Go Mariners. Mariners.